Psalm 4. It's been a while since we were in the Psalms. So to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. So we know who wrote this one. Here we go. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for this psalm. We pray that you would guide us through it. Guide us through it and help us to find you and to understand how to pray this way, what this prayer means, why it works, how we can find you just like David did hundreds and hundreds of years ago. We pray that you would be with us, give grace to the words of my mouth, that they may please you and give grace to everyone here as they hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So Psalms 3 through 7 are cries for help, cries to God. If you remember Psalm 3, which we sing a number of times, what's the basic idea? God, you're my shield. I have a lot of enemies. Deliver me. You're my shield. And all of these psalms, 3 through 7, have kind of that same flavor. This one, this one is an urgent prayer to God for vindication. What's vindication? When do you need vindication? Azariah, I'm going to pick on you. What's vindication? Do you know? It's not a word you throw around every day. That's good. That's a good answer. So, vindication is what you need when you've been accused of something you didn't do. When you're slandered, people are lying about you. Anyone here ever had someone lie about them? Behind their back? To their face? I bet it made you mad. Someone trying to shame you in public, trying to take away your honor, your integrity. So you can probably understand the urgent emotion in these first two verses, right? You can probably follow David there. Yeah. Ah, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. David is tired of being lied about. And by the end of the psalm, he'll be in a completely different place emotionally. It happens like, it just seems like it happens instantly. Why? How does he get there so fast? Well, we'll talk about that. Because he's going to end with, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Sounds like, sounds like, his circumstances must have changed completely for him to change the way he's talking. Is that true? We'll get there. But the first thing, the first thing that we need to know, if we're going to understand what's going on with David and how it applies to us, is that if you honor God, you will be lied about. If you honor God, you will be lied about. So you see that these men, whoever they are, 
They love vain words and seek after lies. That's verse 2. They love vain words and they seek after lies. And apparently it has some personal connection to him because he's very personally distressed about this. Um, God calls, God, God is the God of my righteousness in this psalm. That's what David calls him. So what does that mean? What does it mean that God is the God of your righteousness? Well, it's more than one thing. Um, a lot of stuff in this psalm has more than one meaning attached to it. And that's kind of how poetry is, right? In poetry, you want to use words with maybe a couple of different shades of meaning. Maybe you're going to do some wordplay. We're going to see this a few times as we go through this. So just be on the alert. But God of my righteousness. Well, there's, there's, one, there's one really obvious meaning, and that's this. God is the judge. God is the judge. God knows who's righteous. God knows who's wicked. God knows whether or not what your best friend said about you, you thought she was your best friend, but she wasn't, she was lying, behind your back in elementary school or high school or whatever it was, God knows whether or not she was right or wrong. And one day he'll bring to light whether or not things people said about you were true or false. And in particular, David is saying, I'm a man of integrity. These are lies. And who's going to set the record straight? Well, we like to think that people around us that we trust will set the record straight, right? (laughs) Your dad, your teacher, your boss, your principal. And that should happen. But it doesn't always happen. The record doesn't always get straight. Not in this life. People keep on believing lies about you that other people told. And you don't have a way to clear your name. At least not right now. Well, that's life. But God is the God of our righteousness when we trust in him. And he knows. He knows the score. He knows the story. He's not fooled. And he is the God who will vindicate us and who will show that we're in the right in his timing. We pray for it to be soon. And that's why this psalm is urgent. But it's not always soon, is it? It's not always soon. So that's the God of our righteousness. And the other meaning is that God is the one who makes us righteous. How many, how many psalms do we read where we're called to trust God and find forgiveness from God, to examine our hearts, to do what this psalm says, which is offer right sacrifices? That's to say, be reconciled to God, find forgiveness in God, let him make you righteous. You're a sinner. You can't get there on your own. All right, so that's a couple of different meanings of God of my righteousness. And, and David, David, as he talks, is remembering all the ways that God has delivered him from distress in the past. He's thinking about, he's thinking about all of it. He's thinking about, well, you see, you see the line, you have given me relief when I was in distress. You all know all the, the David stories, right? Name some things. Bad stuff happens. Who's chasing him? <laughs> Who's he fighting? Saul? Yes, a very angry king named Saul who hated David and slandered him, even though David loved him like a son. Who else? Who else did David fight? Who else did he take on? Yeah, Goliath. There you go. That's an easy one. Absalom. Good. Good job. We don't know what situation this is. David doesn't tell us. There's no information. We don't, we don't have quite enough to know. Was this one of those times? Was it something else? David had a lot of enemies. God delivered him a lot of times. And it's one thing to call on God when you're like, I don't know if he's going to listen to me and care. 
Not really sure, but I guess I have to pray. And it's another thing to, to know, no, I'm remembering what God has done for me before. I remember it. I remember it. That's going to spur me on to pray all the more. Because this God does things to rescue me and help me. I know, who, I know what he's like. Delivered me from the lion and the bear and Goliath and Saul and Absalom and lots of other enemies. All right, and that's what drives David on. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. He says it again. So the next thing is, oh men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? So he starts talking to his enemies or sort of starts talking out loud to them, you know? Like you do in your mind when you're mad at your, someone, your wife, your friend, you know, your fifth grade teacher, and you're 40, but you still remember what your fifth grade teacher, whatever it is. You know, you're like, why did you do that? Why did you, that wasn't right, you know. So David, David is doing that. And what it, when it says men, it's translating a phrase, and often, read your, read your footnotes. When you read your Bible, read your little footnotes, because they give you alternate meanings and stuff, and they give you stuff that the text is, the text is going to be like, well, it could also be this. Men is sons of men. It's a phrase, it's sons of men. And sons of men is like a phrase that could also mean men of rank, men of wealth. We're not sure. But that makes sense, right? Who are you more worried about when people are lying about you? You worried about the people who have no money and no power? Oh, telling lies about me on the street again. Or are you worried about the people who have money and power? They can lie and they can spread it the popular kid in your school, right? Who are you worried about? Okay, so keep that in mind. Um, and David says that they're turning his honor into shame. And I just want to park here for a second. What is David's honor? Well, if you've seen Gladiator or Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or something, you know, Anna, Anna, I, I have a cloak, I wear a sword, I have Anna, I do things for my Anna. Like, now I sound like Thor or something, making fun of the idea of honor. <laughs> All right, but you know what honor is, right? You've seen the movies, you get it, honor. They have this thing called honor in movies and in other cultures, and it's like, it's fun to watch movies about guys who have honor because they do things with their sword, and they're like, I'll get my honor back. We don't think that way exactly. Um, honor is a word that could also be translated glory, honor, glory. Remember, this is poetry. You want to think about why it can mean both things and if, if it ought to mean both things, okay? Um, so what's glory for a second? Glory is something that shines, something that has weight, something that has true beauty. Glory is, glory is what God has. That's how we talk about him. God is glorious. God is full of glory. And sometimes we say that and we don't really know exactly what we're saying. We have kind of an idea because glory is kind of abstract. Glory is what's full of perfection, beauty, splendor, majesty, weight, so on. Um, okay, how about this? Glory is what you see when you see a sunset, and it's one of those perfect sunsets where it's pink, it's purple, it's red, it's yellow, it's all these awesome colors. And in the light of that sunset, which is reflecting off the clouds in this beautiful way, all the trees, which you weren't paying any attention to the whole day because they're just ordinary trees, just green stuff everywhere, right? The trees, the fields, suddenly you're like, oh, everything is beautiful. The trees, the field, everything I ignored all day, it's all beautiful. Why did I ignore that? 
This is, uh, you don't maybe say glorious, but that's what you're feeling. You're looking at glory in the sky. And you realize that you take the beauty of the world for granted, and the beauty is there, the glory is there, because God made this world, and he put it there. And you're seeing his glory reflected to you through creation. That's what the Bible teaches. That's a, that's a psalm for another time. Okay, what does this have to do with David? Well, people have glory, at least sometimes. <laughs> Some, sometimes someone's glory is their athletic ability, and you watch your favorite athlete play. And you're like, that's awesome. Like, he's on tonight. Look at what he just did. Look at the play he just made. Look at the pass he just threw. Okay. Okay. Well, okay, here's what's better. When you meet someone who loves Jesus, and who loves you, someone who keeps their word, who does what they say they'll do, they have integrity. They, they say something and they follow through. They try to treat you and other people with kindness. They try to tell the truth and not, not tell it when it suits them. They tell the truth. What you're seeing is a man or a woman of God. And you're actually seeing God's glory in someone's heart and life. That's what you're seeing. Um, you're seeing something that's more impressive than a beautiful sunset. You're seeing the glory of God in a human heart that he has worked on. And you might call that person, we don't, again, we don't talk like this, but in the movies they do, so you know what this means, a man of honor, a woman of honor, right? That's an honorable person. They have honor. They have glory. And it comes because God did things in their life and in their hearts. Um, and that's why the church is beautiful. Just a little kind of side note here. That's why the church is beautiful and you should want to be part of the church. Because God put his glory here in every one of us. And that's easy to ignore, belittle, and take for granted. Because we don't, look, we don't walk around looking like beautiful sunsets, do we? And we know our own sins. And we're not that impressed with ourselves if we're wise. But God is at work in us. God is at work in us. Okay, back to David. David was a man like this. Scripture calls him a man after God's own heart, which is a really high compliment. The love of God was alive in David. It was alive in David. So what was David's glory? Well, it was that. It was the love of God. But you could also say David's glory is God himself. It's, it's God. It's his obedience to God. It's who God is to him. It's his love for God. It's all of that, right? Wrapped up together. That's his life. That's his life. He loves God. And so when he accuses these men of turning his honor or his glory into shame, okay, shame's the opposite of honor, the opposite of glory. Sunset's glorious, sewer, not so glorious, kind of shameful. You don't want to talk about it, don't want to smell it. When you do good, you're, you're honorable. When you do evil, you're dishonorable. It's not glorious, right? And what he's accusing these men, these sons of men of doing, is taking what's actually good about me, what's godly about me, and dragging it through the mud, lying about it, treating it like it's a dishonorable thing, treating a sunset like it's a sewer, <laughs> treating the truth I tell like I'm lying. It's a nasty way to treat someone. 
Let me ask you a question. When they treat David's godliness like trash, which happened over and over to David, who are they really treating like trash? Is it just David? Who? Yeah, that's right, Abe. It's God. Whenever they treat David that way, because he loves God, they're attacking God. They're attacking God. And that's why I said, if you honor God, if you love God, you will be lied about. It's a rule of reality. It's a rule of reality. People's hatred for God, their unwillingness to worship him, will find a target. God is a pretty hard target, actually. You know what's an easy target? You. You. You're right here. You're right here. I'm right here. And there are ways to hide from this and there are ways to lie about who God is so that we don't have to deal with the dishonor and the shame. And we're all tempted to do that. But that's not how David teaches us to act. David just bears it and he feels it and it burns. Okay, let me, let me illustrate this. This again is the kind of thing that you see in movies. So I feel like this is a movie plot of some kind. Imagine a boy in fifth grade whose dad is the mayor of Evansville the big city, where we make lots of Hollywood movies. Um, so this, this, fifth, this fifth grade kid's dad is the mayor of Evansville, and this dad is a good dad and a good mayor, let's say. Again, it's a movie. We can, I shouldn't be cynical. That was kind of a joke. So, no, I believe in, I believe in good dads and good mayors. <laughs> oh, Hollywood does not, mostly. Um, he's a good dad and a, he's a good mayor, and because of that, he has political enemies. And some of those political enemies, let's say a couple of the worst of them, two of their sons are also in fifth grade. All right, you know where this plot is going, don't you? Right? Those other boys in fifth grade, the sons of his dad's enemies, they're going to bully him. They're going to bully him. They're going to make fun of him. They've learned from their dad to hate his dad, to hate him they're going to do what they can to make his life miserable. If he's just a little bit smaller than them, that makes a better movie. You can imagine it that way. Like, they're just the, the bigger, stronger, you know, Hollywood bullies, the bigger kids. He's the smaller kid. He's the underdog. Right? You see this. This is a movie, right? It's a TV show. You've seen this. Um, all right. What's, what's going on there? Well, it's personal when they trip him and he twists his ankle. It's personal. But if he's a good kid, and he is, because this is my movie, he realizes, I, this isn't about, this is personal and my ankle hurts. Fine. This is about my dad. It's even more personal because you're targeting my dad. I love my dad and you hate him. That's why you're going after me. Right? I am, I'm angry. I'm not angry just because my ankle hurts. I'm, I'm angry because you're going after my dad. I love my dad. I love my dad. Okay. If you can understand that story, you can understand David. You can understand the whole book of Psalms. I just told you the plot of so many Psalms. I don't know how many. The whole book of Psalms. This is David. David loves God. When people attack him, they attack God. He loves God. He hates that they're attacking God. Is he in trouble? Yeah, he's in, he's in trouble. But also, there's a bigger reality here. Stop attacking my dad. Stop attacking my Father in heaven. Stop attacking my God. My glory. Just turning it into shame. 
David loves God. Loves him. And maybe, maybe you can also understand just from that story what it means to have a good anger, a righteous anger. The kind of thing you see in Jesus when he flips over the tables in the temple and he makes a whip and he's like, you're in for it now. <laughs> Jesus, taking on those money changers with a whip. Maybe you can understand his anger. It's not petty anger. They're dishonoring his father in heaven. And maybe you can understand also, you can get a little window into why it's a privilege to suffer for God. To be identified with him, right? And to suffer for God. Can you see all of that? Can you get a little window into that? That needs to stay in our hearts. These are the right kind of enemies for a Christian to have. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. All right. And the next thing David does, well, he's provoked by his enemies' lies. They're lies about him, which are also lies about God. So what does he do next? I think he starts to warn his enemies. And I think this is also what a Christian does. When we honor God, we expect to be lied about, and we are lied about. But we tell the truth about who God is when we're lied about. And we even tell the truth to our enemies, the people who hate us, hoping that God will give them repentance. And I think that's what's happening here. Make a case to you. Look at the first word of verse 4. Oh, I, I, I kind of skipped over. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. I guess in the, in the Hollywood movie we were just making, that's, that's when the little fifth grader, this, this is where this movie gets stupid and you should turn it off. But that's where the little fifth grader says, my dad is the mayor. You know, and he's, I, I think that's kind of a dumb, a dumb movie twist. But it's not dumb here, because we're talking about the living God, right? God knows me. God cares about me. I belong to him. He's my God. My God is Yahweh, right? And that's, that's strong. And that's what David is reminding himself of. So what does he do next? The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. He's listening to me. You better watch out. I know he's listening to me. He says, be angry and do not sin. But it doesn't, it doesn't say be angry. That's actually an interpretation. It says, tremble, be agitated, and do not sin. That's what the word is. Um, and tremble means what? Well, you have to figure it out by context. It's a word that's used for any number of strong emotions in the Bible. It could be anger. Could be fear, could be grief. Tremble means you have some kind of strong emotion. What is it? Well, we'll come back to anger. But here's what I think. Tremble and do not sin. He's talking to his enemies. You need to have the fear of God. You need to learn the fear of God. You need to tremble. You need to zip your lips and just talk to yourselves in your own hearts about your own sins, about who you are, about who God is. You need to think about this. You need to tremble before a holy God. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Be silent. They've been lying. They've been spreading rumors. Stop talking. You guys, you sons of men, stop. Just just, just lie still a second and think about the reality of your life, your consciences, 
who God is. What's going to happen to you? And David does this very gently. It was, I got in trouble for, for telling my sister to shut up sometimes. Hopefully that happens in your home. Not that your kids tell each other to shut up, but that they get in trouble if they do. It was a bad word, you know. But David is actually really under attack, and he's really gentle. He's really gentle with these nasty people. <laughs> I don't know that you or I are that gentle. It takes some practice. It takes some work. He wants them to repent. He says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord, which is to say, go to God. <laughs> Get reconciled to God. Get your sins forgiven. Trust in God. Make God the God of your righteousness like he's the God of my righteousness. And that's a generous way to think of people who hate us. It's a generous way. It's a very Christian way. It's a very sweet thing to do. Even when we're in the right, we're under attack. This is David. Um, and, And these verses, tremble and do not sin. They're not just for the people out there. They're not just for, oh, bad guys. On the outside of the church. Dumb, bad guys. Stop it, bad guys. No. God's word is always to us. It's always to us. It's always to God's people too. Because how can you read this and not think about the lies you've told (laughs) in your life? How can you not think about the ways that you and I have been like God's enemies, right? We We need to think about that. We're supposed to ask ourselves, am I in any way like that? Am I more like David in this psalm? Or am I more like those guys who badmouth David, who have contempt for the things of God? What am I like? And we need to honor God by trembling before him. This is, if you're a Christian, you know what this is like. There's times when you sit down and you're like, wait a minute. I think that was, I think that was sin. And in fact, I've been convicted about something in my life that I have not thought about very carefully. And I can feel God's displeasure. And I need to think about this for a minute. Just stop. What have I been doing? Why have I been talking that way to my wife? Why have I been bitter against my boss? Have I really been sinning? Like, I need to just hold on. I need to get right with the Lord. Help me not to sin, God. Help me not to sin. Help me to tremble before you. Let me go back to something. The word tremble. Okay, poetry, ambiguity, words that have more than one meaning. The translation here is be angry and do not sin. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's a good interpretation, actually. I... Uh, <laughs> It's actually, you could make a really good, I could have just preached the whole sermon with that and never mentioned that it actually says tremble and I would have gotten away with it because I wouldn't have been telling you anything false. Here, let me do this for you, right? And this is part of reading the Bible, paying attention to things that are ambiguous and and recognizing that God is able to give us things that are ambiguous that have more than one meaning on purpose and make us dig and make us figure out, are you giving me both meanings because you want them both there or because there's only one, but now I just have to work really hard. God is God. God gives us his word the way he wants it. <laughs> and that means some work. So if, if it means be angry and do not sin, um, what David is saying is, you enemies, you're angry. You're angry at God. You're angry at me. Don't sin. Be quiet on your beds. Turn to God. 
which is almost the same thing that I just said it means, right? You see, it's like, it's not very far off. We get to the same place. We get to repentance, turn to God and repent. And then we apply that to ourselves and we say, when I'm angry, maybe when I'm angry at those enemies, the people who hate me, and I want to hate them back, I need to, whoop, get a hold of myself, control my passions, and not sin. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Makes sense to you? Can you use it that way? Yeah, absolutely. Is it possible that David means both things? <laughs> and he's being tricky enough that he's doing both. I think so. I think so. But even if you think that's baloney, and you think there's only one, well, you're going to come to the same place, which is repent before God. That's what David wants. Okay, last thing, last thing. If you honor God, if you look to God for good, you'll find it. God will satisfy you. God will satisfy you. And David gets there fast. How many verses ago was he like, answer me when I call God of my righteousness. Oh, you sons of men, how long will you? But then, where does he go? He goes to these next few verses. And very quickly, just on a dime, it feels like, suddenly he's in a different mood. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. A little more ambiguity here. I think the many, whoever they are, who are saying, who who will show us some good? That's what they say. And then David's answer is, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. But it doesn't make too much of a difference to the meaning. Because... I think what's happening here is David goes a little cosmic. He's been just thinking about these guys and their lies. And then he thinks about who God is and he thinks about repentance. And then he's like, you know, everywhere I look, people are looking for who will show them good. Who can they rely on? Who can they trust? Everywhere I look, this is just the way of things. Is it Biden? Is it Trump? Is it the boy I like in school? Is it my best friend? Is it whatever it is? Who will show us some good? Where can I find it? Is it, or maybe just what will be a source of good for me? Is it the time I get a promotion at work? Or is it the time time I buy that car I'm looking at? Is it, what is it exactly? Is it when I get to the weekend? Well, ultimately, who do you rely on? What do you rely on? When do you run away from life's pressures? How do you do it? Are you, what if you have the pressure of being lied about? (laughs) But think about all the other pressures because David has just suddenly opened the field wide. Like, huh, everyone is dissatisfied and trying to find satisfaction. They're trying to find peace and rest all the time. Where is it? Who is it? What is it? And we're all tempted to look for an easy answer. All kinds of easy answers whether it is the next political candidate or a Netflix binge. I don't know. We all have our ways. We all have our things. And the answer, the answer to all of us, as we look around with pain, the pain of our lives, dissatisfaction, and yeah, maybe the very specific situation of being lied about because we're Christians. The answer is, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Lift up the light of your face upon us. And I don't know if you find that image simple, easy to understand. Um, 
I had to think about it a second. I've grown up hearing that. It's part of a benediction you may have heard in church. Make your face shine upon us. What does that mean? Well, when you see the light of God's face, he's smiling at you. He's happy to see you. He's going to do you good. There he is. It's the opposite of when he's frowning at you. He's like a thundercloud. You're in for it now. God is smiling at you. It's like when someone's really glad to see you. Someone that you love. You walk in the room. Hey, it's you. And what do we say? I mean, maybe we don't all say this, but we do say it sometimes. They were beaming at you, you know? Beams of light. God is beaming on us. That's what we need. We need God to smile on us. Be happy with us. Bless us. And when he does, well, what happens? You know what doesn't happen? Not in this psalm. The situation does not get better. It did not change. This psalm, a lot of psalms kind of leave you at this point, right? I prayed. Now I'm waiting. Situation didn't change. But now I'm happy. Well, everyone is still lying about you. Yeah. But I remembered God. He says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Who is they? Well, maybe it's just everyone talking about, where can I find something good? Where's the next good thing? Where, where do I go? Maybe it's the enemies. He's talking about how people, people without God live their lives, right? Am I happy? I don't know. Does the grain and wine abound? Which is to say, do I have enough money? Do I have enough food? Is the Dow Jones industrial average trending up, right? Um, Do I have a vacation coming up? That'll tell you if I'm happy. How's Bitcoin doing? Well, those things change all the time. (laughs) Those things change all the time. You put your happiness in those, yeah, you'll be happy sometimes, I guess but not consistently. And as Christians, we're being taught how to be happy consistently. Even how to be happy when we're miserable. When we're miserable. We have a better and stronger source of happiness than people who are always wealthy and always can buy the latest speedboat if they want because that's how much money they have. It doesn't matter to them. Or we can always go on the trip they want to go on. You know? Their business always does good. Fine. We have a consistent source of happiness. They don't. They don't. It's the God of our righteousness. It's the God of our righteousness. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. So remember, remember what Psalm 23 says, the famous, Lord is my shepherd. There's a line in there. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Give me everything I need, and I have a reason to celebrate when I'm still surrounded and in a bad spot. Okay, here you are. Same thing, same thing. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. I don't sleep well, personally. And I don't know if it's because of this or something else. But even if I don't sleep well, (laughs) I can still take hold of this. And so can you. So can you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, God, God will feed you. He'll comfort you. He'll help you. He'll vindicate you, right, in his own time. And you just need to ask him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Psalm 4. 
Thank you for what it tells us about your faithfulness to us in a world of lies, in a world that hates you and hates us because we love you. God, we ask that we would not be ashamed of you. You are our glory. You are the God who puts true joy in our hearts. You are the God who makes us happy and who gives us sleep at night. Help us to pray to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.